Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cagesidepress.com. I'm Danny Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back the Apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 54 headline by Jan Blachowicz versus Alexander Rajic, an exciting light heavyweight tilt that me and Shockwave Dave will be breaking down as part of Fight Dogs and Pelé. We'll also give you some plays on the early, or the, the main part of the card, as well as an underdog play that we think make you well with that. As always, I'm giving you guys the interviews that you love. Today, I'm talking to Davey Grant as he gets to fight Luis Smoka on the main card, and I'm talking to Andre Petrovsky about his fight with Nick Maximoff. Now, before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to give you a quick warning here from the editor, which is me, by the way. Uh, when I taped with Shockwave Dave, I actually had my mic unplugged, so... Today, the audio quality is going to be a little bit further down than you're used to, especially when we get to that main portion of it all. So my apologies ahead of time for that. Wanted to get that in there before telling you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas, the home for the avid sports better, providing insights analysis and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there each and every week, I've got my bonus play that you can only find on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Davey Grant, who fights Louis Smolka at UFC Vegas 54. That fight is on May 14th. So, Davey, I wanted to start here. I saw a little bit on social media. You've been doing some training at Syndicate MMA going into this fight. Is that part of the camp change, or is that just getting to Vegas early, acclimating, and that happened to be the place you landed? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, last time I fought in Vegas, I, I had some time at Syndicate. And I just felt really comfortable there. Got on with the coaches, got on with all the guys. And uh, like I said, just if it just felt right. So I wanted to do like a, like a full camp here this time. And then it, it's just a bonus that it's in Vegas, right where we're fighting. And, and so out of curiosity, what, what particularly about working with them seems to be working for you? It, like, you know, you mentioned John Wood and, and some of the guys they have. But yeah. is there a st- part of the style that they run that, that works particularly for your part of the game? Um, I mean, yeah, it just sort of fits. It's just like a good, friendly atmosphere. Um, and at home, it, it's weird. Like, I've got to travel around to, to all the different gyms. And um, it, it was just getting a bit tough on the body, just sitting in the car all the time. Like, my hips just, <laughs> they're not what they used to be. <laughs> so it's nice to, like, just have everything within, like, a 10-minute radius. And obviously get to, it's so close to the PI as well. So I've got the fantastic gym and then I've got obviously the PI and then the strength and conditioning in there and everything. And with the fight being here as well, everything just sort of made sense. And it, it seemed like a, a really good idea. And and that makes a lot of sense. I, I also obviously have to mention, you, you've come off of a couple of really close decision losses that have yeah, been yeah. kind of unfortunate in two in a row. Did that play anything into deciding to mix things up a bit? That the fact that you are, you know, just this close to actually being on a, a massive win streak. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was it was because of the losses. It was literally just the way things worked. I just got comfortable with people, and uh, like 
Yeah, I just, just really enjoyed the training. And it was, it, it, I mean, the, the losses, yeah, it, it was a shame. Um, I feel like both could have probably gone either way, to be honest. You know? like, I don't think many people could have grumbled, but it is what it is. I, I, I don't, I, I try not to live in the past at all, just uh, trying to focus on the present and uh, the next fight at hand. Well, I'm not going to force you to focus too much on the past, but I do have to mention, yeah. you know, obviously one of those losses that was razor close was Marlon Vera. And, and since, you know, yeah. eking out a decision against you, he's gone on to absolutely plaster all of his future opponents, you know, knocking yeah. out Frankie Edgar. He absolutely put the screws to Rob Font a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. What is it like knowing that you were, you know, you they could have judged it for you and nobody would have batted an oh, eyelash. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like, that like it was on the second round. Obviously, the third round it was it was all him. It could have been being a ten eight in all honesty. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It definitely wasn't my best performance. Like going going further on in the fight and not making excuses. I didn't have the the, the best of fight camps for that one. I, I really struggled. Um, it's it is what it is. Uh, I think I, I could I could have gone and done a lot a lot better, but. It's it's nice to know that I can sit and hang with him, and he's 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 like fighting the top guys in the world, and he's under a great great win streak. Um, taking out some legit opponents, and I think you know he's like top five. So I mean, good luck to him. I always want to see the guys who have fought do well, and um, hopefully we'll get that back. Absolutely. Now, yeah. it, you know, one more question about the past. Obviously, you had yeah. a very active 2021. You got to fight yeah. three times, which is you know, if, if you're looking back, it's like one fight in 2020, one fight in 2019, one yeah. fight in 2018. You get yeah. to fight three times. You did get a victory in there and a couple of like, you know, like you said, very close decisions that people yeah. could have seen gone either way. How do you look back at that year being as active as you are getting that kind of cage time, but also maybe not getting the results you want? Yeah, I mean, it, it was great to get the fights in and uh, it's about time. I mean, honestly, like you say, my career has been so sporadic. Uh, I've struggled a lot with injuries and uh, and the time and just been a bit wrong, and and especially when the whole world's gone through a yeah. pandemic and I'm getting jetted off to Vegas and what have you. It was it was fantastic and like I say, I just I, I just try and just take every experience and and just enjoy it. Whether whether I win or I lose, at least I'm fighting. At least I'm doing what I love. And uh, yeah, we're just gonna try my best to get back in the win column for the next one. But it was just it was just great to be to be active. Like, this is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted three or four fights a year like, at, at, at the top level, and hopefully we can keep it going. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that first one of 2022 in just a second. But before we do, yep. I want to talk about something that else is the future. It's, it's also yep. a future moment. And that's, did I see on your Instagram that your son is fighting as an amateur already? Did I see? Yeah. 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 yeah he's a, Yeah. He's a, I mean, I've got, like, both of my sons fight. One of, But the youngest one, he's only had Thai boxing fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the oldest one, he's had Thai boxing and MMA fights. It was his birthday the other day. I just found the photos. I just stuck, stuck the photos on. The fight was actually, about, I think it was about a year and a half ago. That was like his, um, it was his second MMA fight. Yeah. So, but, so uh, both of them just uh, Nate and Jay chip off the old block. <laughs> so what? So what is that 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 like for you as a guy who's been in there so many times? As a guy who you know has dedicated your whole life to it, and now you're seeing. Your son's, you know, not following your footsteps a little bit, but also, oh yeah, you, know, like, you, you, uh, you got to be the anxious parent as well, right? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy dynamic because obviously, um, in one sense, you don't want them to go in there and get hurt, and you, you just want to grab hold of them and cuddle them. Do you know what I mean? And then as the coach, um, I've got to be like, like telling them just like staying calm and letting them know what they've got to do. 
and it's uh, and I, obviously he can't see me. He can't see me nervous wreck. He can't, <laughs> I mean, that's not going to help him. How can I expect to go and put these guys in the fights um, if if I'm an absolute nervous wreck? So on the outside, I'm probably cool as a cucumber. <laughs> on the inside, my stomach's doing absolute backflips. Oh, I love it. Now so, I, I, yeah. I gotta I gotta ask so the one who's done the MMA fights. I, I gotta yep. ask this. Does his style replicate yours? Does he do? You, does yeah. he look like a smaller version of you in there? Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. I mean, yeah, he's like he, he likes to he likes to put a lot of movement in there and a lot of a lot of tricky shit. <laughs> yeah, they're, like like I say, I mean, the, both the boys, they just they, they they know exactly what I do. They've been watching me for years, and it's just nice. I mean, even if they if they didn't want to fight, anything they want to do, I just like to keep them like sort of active and and training martial arts, no matter what. I really believe it. It's just really good sort of lessons for life, and uh, and keeps them off the iPads and PlayStation. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's get to back, back to talking about your fight. So you're you're fighting yep. Louis Smolka, a guy yeah. who uh, he's kind of hard to gauge exactly what kind of fighter he is, right? Like he's a yeah. long, funky striker. He's in the yeah. past, he's mixed some wrestling in there that's kind of different too. Like, wh- what did you think when they offered you Smolka as an opponent in in the matchup for you? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a great fight. I think, I, I mean, I, I think I, I match up well against anyone in the division. I think I'm a hard fight for absolutely anyone. Um, and Smoker brings it. I've I've watched him for a lot of years. You know, he's been he's been around the game for a long time. Uh, absolute veteran of the sport. And and it was just I I just got excited. I just thought, oh, this, this is a great fight where I can just go in there and sort of show what I'm about. And he's got he's going to come at me. We're going to meet in the octagon head on. And yeah, it'd be a great fight to watch. I absolutely agree. Now, before I yeah. let you go, I, I always like to get a prediction out of my fighters. How do you yeah. see this one ending? What, what do you what do you see being the end of this fight on May 14th? Look, I mean, honest, I'm prepared for war, but I'm going in there for the knockout. You know, like that every time I am going in there to try and take someone's head clean off. You know, and like uh, and whether that's first round, second round, third round, I'm I really don't mind, and that's always going to be my plan. But um, I, I, I try and finish the fights as early as possible. So if I see the submission, I'll jump on it. Yeah, if, I, if, I, if it means we've got to grind it out and get the win, then we'll get the, by decision, we've got to get the win by decision. I'm honest, but I'm going in there for knockout. And I, I always say my little phrases, expect a war and then anything else is just a bonus. Well, I love that mentality. And once again, fans, yeah, this has been Davey Grant, who fights Lewis Smoka at UFC Vegas 54. That fight on May 14th. Davey, thanks so much for the time, man. I really No worries. It. Thank you. I appreciate the time. I do. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Davey Grant. I once again have Daniel Gubby Freeman joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, a lot to be said about UFC 274, including maybe one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my whole damn life. <laughs> uh, but let's start here instead. Charles Oliveira continues to impress people beyond belief. This time, mostly with his striking was maybe the most impressive part. Tell me, without being too, you know, down on the whole idea of pound for pound, is this dude one of the best fighters in the world right now? Yeah, he, he certainly is. Uh, I mean, he's peaking in his career, and every fight has been exciting to watch, uh, and I'm happy for him. You know, as someone we've watched in the UFC for a long time who comes uh, in the road, but has now kind of found his fully evolved form. Awesome to watch, and I can't wait for the next one. Um, that being said, I don't think he's indestructible. Uh, I would love to see Khabib come out of retirement and face him, but we'll sort of get a mini Khabib version 
uh, anyway uh, in his next fight. So, you know, it's just it's an exciting time. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and I'm actually curious as to whether or not that is his next fight because Dana White said Islam Makhachev needs uh, one more fight uh, after his lackluster performance against Bobby Green. So, like, it might not even be him next, right? It might be Benil Darius, or it might be... I hate saying this name. It might be Conor McGregor. Like it could be, uh, it could disgusting. be, it could be Alexander Volkanovsky, which would be exciting as hell. But you're right. The, the bottom line is, is Charles Oliveira right now. I, I think between how good he looks when he looks good and the fact that he's like wildly hittable on the feet, um, right? Because like it's not like Gagey didn't floor him a couple of times. It's not like Poirier didn't floor him a couple of times. Like. Uh. It, it makes know. the fight more exciting somehow, right? Like, he, he's just, like, can't miss TV right now. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of take it on, on two different levels. Um, on one hand, he was pulling off, it was, I'd have to go back in the fight and watch it, but it was, like, a left-right combo into a knee to the body into when uh, when his opponent will fold down to protect the knee to the body, he shoots a guillotine. So I'll repeat that sequence. Left, right, knee to the body, guillotine attempt. And he pulls it off flawlessly. It's amazing. I mean, he is a true mixed martial artist. And, you know, again, he's peaking. It's awesome to see. But on the other hand, he's been knocked down, I think, in his last four fights. Yeah, and and it's so So, funny to tell him like this, too, because, like, this is a guy who is knocked out by Cowboy Cerrone. This is a guy right. who Cub Swanson knocked out. This is a guy who Ricardo Lamas tapped out after he missed weight. Charles Oliveira missed weight and then was tapped out by Ricardo Lamas. Like, it's so wild to be talking about him like a dominant champion. Well, that's why it's. I really, truly believe, you know, you look at a fighter's age, um, and he just wasn't fully evolved in those fights, you know? And... We saw that there have been so many great career turnarounds in MMA, obviously, but like even a guy we're going to talk about a little later, Yang Bonkovitz, you know, he sort of came into his own in his late 30s. Uh, I think about RDA even. You think about that demolishing Khabib on him and then where he peaked for a few years. You know, I can't say it enough. Charles Oliveira is peaking right now, and we get to witness it, and it's for titles, which makes it more exciting. Well, I guess Saturday actually wasn't for a title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know what I'm saying. It's, you know, it's against the elite of the elite, and he's in his best form. It's awesome to watch. Yeah, and and it's worth noting, too, because I think people forget this about Charles Oliveira, being that he's been in the UFC you know, his, his first UFC fight was in August of 2010 when he fought Darren Elkins uh, all the way back then. Like, so he's been in the UFC for 12 years. He's still only 32. Like, that is a prime age. That's why we're saying, you know, like he's coming of age and he's, he's hitting that peak right now. It's like mm-hmm. some people might say, well, no, dude, he's been in the UFC forever. Yeah, he's been in the UFC since he was a 20-year-old kid. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, like, yes, he is coming around right now and it's, um, you know, maybe maybe it, it's a, a case study to tell the UFC, like, hey, maybe don't cut that 25-year-old who's on a two-fight losing streak because they might be Charles Oliveira. I love it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what else I love. We have a fun edition of our favorite segment on the show this week, Sights, Dogs, and Parlays. We're breaking it down. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, we love, we love 
to bring the fans a couple of fights, a couple of dogs, and a couple of parlays for UFC Vegas 54. But Gumby, before we do that, can you let us know, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial arts, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right. Uh, the main event is an exciting light heavyweight matchup. Alexander Rakic, uh, minus 150 favorite to the former champion, Jan Blakovic, uh, who is betting off at a plus 130 dog. Where have these guys been? What have they been up to in life? Well, Rakic on a two-fight win streak, wins over Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos since taking a split decision loss to Volkan Ozdemir. Before that loss to Volkan Ozdemir, he had debuted in the UFC uh, on a four-fight win streak. So all said, he is Six and one in the UFC, and a favorite here against the former champion, who's of course coming off his loss to Glover Teixeira via rear naked choke back in October, where he lost his title. That was after reeling off a six-fight win streak himself, including wins over Luke Rockhold, Jacare Souza, Corey Anderson, Dominic Reyes for the title defense against Zia Desan coming up in weight, but he was unable to hold it. Hold onto the belt when facing Glover Teixeira. Looked a little lackluster in that entire fight. Obviously, when it got to the ground, Glover had the advantage. But trying to come back here with a big win as a dog at plus 130, who you got? I'm going to go with Alexander Rajic here. I, I Look, I, I do really like Jablakovic, and I think the reason these odds are so close is because he does have that one-punch knockout power. But at the bottom line is, is that like Rajic, apart from the, the fight with Volkan Ozdemir, which... If you go back and watch that again, neither guy really did anything. It was a really passive fight. I think apart from that, he's looked like a world beater. You know, like he looks like he could be champ. It's like him and Yuri Prohashka, in my opinion, as like the best well-rounded guys at light heavyweight. Because let's face it, Glover Teixeira, beautiful story, 43 years old, maybe one of the best grapplers in the world, not going to hold up against every single one of these like powerful strikers who also have a wrestling game. And I think that's what people forget about Rajic, too, is, like, he's got a wrestling game. He doesn't rely on it very often, but he took down Ozdemir. He took down Justin Ledet at will. You know, he's got the knockout power. We saw it with Manoa and Devin Clark and all that. You know, he knocked down Anthony Smith in that fight. He's just, like, a careful, more technical striker to me than Jan Blankovic. Of course, Blankovic with the legendary Polish power. I think, you know, there's always that chance he lands it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the smart pick, which I think is, you know, the more technical striker in Alexander Rajic. All right, totally fair, and I'm not going to dispute on that. We'll move on. Uh, mention, you know, we'll stick at light heavyweight, and we'll probably bring up a few of the names we've already mentioned here when we're talking about common opponents, but let's get to the matchup first. Ian Kutalaba, minus 175 favorite to Ryan Spann, a plus 140 dog. Kutalaba is coming off a win over Devin Clark, a draw against Dustin Jacoby before that, and back-to-back losses to Magomed Ankyalov before that. Um, he also has a loss to the now champion Glover Teixeira via rear naked choke, a win over Cleo Roundtree via TKO, and that basically takes you through his last three years. So Kutalaba in the last three years is two, three and one and really struggling to find some consistency making it two in a row here coming off a win over Devin Clark I think would be huge for Kutaleba his momentum his career really 
but standing in his way is Ryan Spann. Spann uh, debuted in the UFC back in September of 2018, was on a four-fight win streak before running into Johnny Walker, lost via KO, came back with a TKO win over Misha Serkinov, and then lost to Anthony Smith in his last fight back in September of 2021. So four-fight win streak with wins over Sam Alvey, Devin Clark, Antonio Rogerio Nogueira, but then lost to Johnny Walker, comes back with a win over Misha Serkinov, and loses to Anthony Smith. So one and two in his last three, but a you know, slight dog here at plus 140. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Ian Kudalaba. Uh, I, I know what he said. He, he's on kind of a rough patch here, but when you compare what the, what's going on in that rough patch, it's really easy to excuse it, right? Lost to Glover Teixeira. Never looks all that bad. Lost, two losses to Megamed Ankalaev, who, you know, is by all accounts a future champion in a lot of people's opinion. Dustin Jacoby, a draw against Dustin Jacoby that he largely dominated for, for the first round until he kind of tired out. Dustin Jacoby has not lost in the UFC, so a draw against him looks massively good. I have a lot of faith in Ian Kudalaba, especially his aggression, his takedowns, his physicality. And if you look at a guy like Ryan Spann, Ryan Spann is a guy who occasionally puts himself in bad positions. Uh, he makes mistakes. He winds up on his back. Now, that being said, he's got great finishing ability. We saw it with the, the little Nog fight. We saw it with the Misha Serkinov fight. We saw it with the Devin Clark fight. He can go in there and turn your lights out. But the problem is, is he puts himself out there, too, and against this guy as dangerous as Ian Kudalaba, I don't expect him to stay away from that finishing capability of Kudalaba. So I got Kudalaba here. I think he gets it done. Uh, let's move then to women's flyweight. There's an exciting matchup. Caitlin Chukagian, a minus-145 favorite. Uh, Amanda Ribas, a plus-125 dog. Chukagian was, uh, her contract expired, and I believe she was more or less let go in January, but then after a few months, uh, it was announced that they were able to work out a new contract. We spoke about it earlier um, with Charles Oliveira, you know, someone who can not, hasn't, fully evolved yet and i do believe that with chikagian now she is on a three-fight win streak so we all know the potential is there does not have a lot of finishes which i know probably irks the ufc um not typically their preferred manner of winning doesn't really work out that well in highlight packages marketing etc but the potential is all there with chikagian she has the right coaching staff and i don't think she's fully evolved yet as a fighter um, she is 33, though, so, you know, also not a spring chicken. Rivas, on the other hand, 28-year-old out of Brazil, has been fighting in the UFC since 2019. She is uh, – actually, she has a, a nice record in the UFC. In the UFC, she's 5-1 and one, uh, with wins over Paige Van Zant, LOL, and a big win over Mackenzie Dern. She's coming off a win over Vima Jandaraba. Uh, lost to Marina Rodriguez before that. So that was in 2021. She was one and one. And like I said, Chikagian on a three fight win streak after losing to Jessica Andrade via TKO. Chikagian debuted in the UFC all the way back in 2016. So she is like a super veteran and she is 10 and four overall in the UFC. She's the one minus 145 favorite here. Who are you taking? I'm going to go dog here with Amanda Hibas. Uh, I, I think Amanda Hibas is a very smart dog play here. I, I think the only reason she's listed as a dog is probably because she's coming up in weight here. You know, she's fought once at flyweight in her entire UFC career. That was against that Paige Van Zandt fight, which uh, I think they were just trying to help Paige Van Zandt out a little bit and trying to, like, not have to have her cut weight. So 
you know, I, I think Amanda Hebos largely been at straw weight, but she's really physical. She's got great takedowns. Her only loss is that one to Marina Hodriguez, who I think is, you know, like maybe one of the best straw weights in the world, especially after that straw weight performance is this past weekend. But Hebos is taking people down and dealing with them on the mat. She took down Verna Jadaroba, who is a great grappler, and played in her guard for a while and played with her on the mat. She took down Mackenzie Dern twice and wasn't afraid to engage and won a decision there. You have to give it to somebody who will do that. And here's the reason I really like her against Chokagi. Kikian is the type of person who, if you take her down, will just engage you in some grappling there. She's not quick back to her feet. She likes to pull leg locks because I know she's down on her coach. She likes to do stuff off of her back. Sometimes she gets a little complacent, gets herself into some bad situations. I don't think Hibas is definitely the type of person who's going to like take advantage and sub her. But I do think she's going to spend enough time on top and do enough damage that I think she's going to clearly win two rounds. All right. I like it. Well, she's a slight dog, but our official dog is an even bigger dog, and it's Carlos Candelario, plus 180, official dog of the week. Let's hear it. So I like Carlos Candelario, A, because he's a Northeast boy, and we always like our Northeast boys. But B, also because if you look at Tetsuya Tara, He's a guy who, in all of his fights over in Valley Judo Japan and all of the various other Asian promotions he's fought for, he tags people on the feet with a big right hand and then instantly jumps to their back to sub them. Two problems with that. Carlos Candelario, extremely durable, great wrestler, phenomenal submission defense. And for all of those reasons, I think he's a terrible matchup for Tara, who is going to have trouble getting in on, on Candelario, is getting it to the grappling, and even if he does, I think Candelario survives. I also am a little bit worried about Tara's gas tank because he's a guy who doesn't go really deep into very many fights, and he gets that excitement in him, and he tries to jump to the finish. I think he's going to tire himself out against Candelario. We saw it in the Contender Series fight that Candelario won his contract in. He is a very durable, very tough guy. He gave Victor Altamirano everything he could handle. I like him here. I think he survives uh, any kind of onslaught that Tara brings to him, and hey, I think he puts him in some bad positions himself, including possibly with some offensive wrestling here. All right, let's get to our parlay to play to wrap things up. It's Davey Grant, a minus 240, and Jake Hadley, a minus 195. So two heavy favorites, uh, almost two to one, more to, more than two to one favorites, but pair them together, get you plus 115 odds, break it down. Yeah, I love Davey Grant, first of all, uh, because he's on our show, but not just because he's on our show. Look, his hands look incredible, and if you go back and his, he, he's on a two-fight losing streak, one of them is a split decision loss to Marlon Vera. That's right, a split decision loss to the dude who just beat the brakes off of Rob Font. And I think people have kind of written Davey Grant off as being this older guy who, who can't hang. But man, he was on an incredible streak before these two losses in a row. In addition to that, as we heard, he moved to Syndicate MMA, which I think is only going to elevate his training even more. I, I'm expecting big things here, and I think Smolka is just kind of a guy he can outstrike at will, even before I'm talking about the improvements. Jake Hadley is a guy who I saw in Contender Series. I love the way he wrestles. I love the way I saw him in Cage Warriors. He looks like an absolute beast. The real deal down at 125. And Nascimento is just a guy who, uh, like a lot of Brazilian flyweights that we've talked about in the past, you know, like Rogerio Bontarin and stuff like that, sometimes when they get on their back, they just kind of accept the position a little bit. Sort of like when we talked about Caitlin Chokagian recently. But I think that's a nightmare against Jake Hadley, a guy who can get top control and look like an absolute beast when he's there. So let's put those two together and turn it around with a plus number. Boom. I love it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know if we did you right or did you dirty with these picks. You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. 
Gumby, this train is a rumbling down the tracks. Where do we stop next? So we're going to transition now to my interview with Andre Petrosky, who's getting ready to try to make it 3-0 in the UFC octagon at middleweight. He'll be fighting Nick Maximoff, the Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz trained fighter. He talks about that fight as well as being a pretty sizable underdog in this fight. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Andre Petrosky, who fights Nick Maximoff at UFC Vegas 54. That fight is on May 14th. So, Andre, I want to get right into talking about that fight because this win would possibly give you three straight, and it is up against your most highly touted opponent. I- I'm curious of what you thought after winning two and in such dominant fashion. What you thought about the UFC's suggestion that you fight somebody like Nick Maximoff, who's got a little bit of hype behind his name? Um. I asked for Nick Maximov. I had watched him fight. I had watched him fight. Uh, I actually watched all of his fights. I watched him on the Contender Series just kind of randomly. And then uh, I watched him fight Brundage because I had trained with Brundage before. Just, you know, kind of keeping my eye on the division and the other guys, up-and-coming guys. And then I watched him fight Soriano, and I was like, you know, I can beat this kid. I was like, everything he does, I'm like, I'm better than this kid. So I asked for the fight, and they accepted well, that, that's interesting to hear. Now, I'm curious as to why you love that matchup so much, because I, I know you're a guy who, who's well-rounded, but let's face it, you, you are really good at wrestling. You're really good at jiu-jitsu, and he's a guy who seems to like those same things. What, what particularly did you like about that matchup? Yeah, I think that um, I've always wanted to prove that I'm the best wrestler in this division, um, and it's really more than just wrestler, but grappler all around, and when I see him having success in the grappling, I see it as a, as a challenge and it excites me. I like that. And, and out of curiosity, do you see, what do you see to be the better part of his game here? Do you see the, the takedowns and the wrestling and the way he chains things together as being the most dangerous? Or do you see the fact that he, he does have a, a pretty decent submission game as well as being more dangerous? I think obviously his wrestling comes first. Um, He's transitioned well. Like, he has, like, decent jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, wrestling jiu-jitsu. And uh, I think that's his forte. And then probably last would be his striking. And so I, I assume, too, by you saying that you, you, you know, you like the challenge, you like the idea of pushing yourself against a guy who's got a similar style to you, I'm assuming then you expect this fight to hit the ground. You expect to take it there. Or is this something where you think, you know, you obviously have a, a pretty decent advantage on the feet. You could win it there as well. I mean, I haven't met anyone that I wasn't able to take down yet. So um, I would imagine at some point it's going to go to the ground. I like that. I like that. Now, I, I want to ask you, too, as I was looking up this fight and doing a little bit of research on this fight, you're listed as a pretty sizable underdog here, which I was a little bit surprised about, especially considering the way that you won your first two fights. You're listed as almost a two-to-one underdog. Does that surprise you? Had you heard that before? Um, yeah, I, I, it was definitely a little bit surprising to me, but, uh, I mean, it puts me in a great position, to be honest. Um, being the underdog's like, look, all the pressure's on him now, you know? And I'll, all I got to do is go out and prove what I already know. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. Now... I got to ask, because I'd like to, to, to try to do this with all of my fighters before I let them go. Do, do you see yourself getting the submission here? Do you see yourself making that statement in that way? 
Yeah, I mean, my fights have never gone the distance, so if history is bound to repeat itself, you're certainly likely to see a finish here. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions, too, about – you know, sort of your past and in, in what's what's gone on to get you to this point. You know, obviously, the last time we spoke, you know, the the Ultimate Fighter had not really un, unraveled. We had not really seen what, you know, you know, we saw the Brian Battle and Trayshawn Gore fight and all that kind of stuff afterwards. How do you feel with your name being tied to the show and those fighters all this time? Do you see it as something that's like, you know, a, a nice part of your history and nice to constantly be in conversation with those guys? Or are, are you just trying to distance yourself from, you know, the show and, and who you were on that show? Nah, I mean, I had a tremendous experience on The Ultimate Fighter. And, um, you know, a lot of those people I still stay in touch with today. Um, it definitely boosted my career, kind of kick-started my career. But, I mean, I certainly have unfinished business from that show. So I'm assuming in, in unfinished business from that show, you mean Brian Battle. That's a fight that is on the horizon in your opinion. Absolutely. All right. And and out of curiosity, so I, I got to ask then too, if, if you've got your eyes on division, you've got your eyes on up-and-comers, you've got your eyes on, like you said just now, literally have your eyes on Brian Battle, what did you think about his fight from the from after the show against Trayshawn Gore uh, in, in a fight that a lot of people thought was – kind of close and you know obviously one of your your teammates from the show on there a guy who you know you got to mix it up with and we're hoping to mix it up with again what were your thoughts on that when it did finally go down i think um you know brian brian does a very good job of executing his game plan uh he wins pretty much all of his fights the same way he's high volume uh high pace he kind of wears at you picks away at you um, but that's really his style. A lot of, lot of activity on the feet and, uh, you know, his, his, his wrestling defense is decent. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at, at all his fights, that's really how he beats everyone. And so then I, I assume too, with you saying, you know, having so much confidence in your wrestling, you think a rematch would go very differently. You, you believe that you could take him down and, and submit him. Yeah, absolutely. And and with with three straight wins here in the welterweight division, you've obviously would put yourself in a pretty great spot, right? There's not a ton of people out there who are winning three straight and certainly not a lot of people who have finished three straight. So, you know, we, we've seen guys crack into the rankings for less than that. With a win here, if impressive, against Nick Maximoff, is that the call-out? Is, is a ranked opponent the call-out? Or do you want Brian Battle next? Um, we'll see how the division plays out, uh, out of respect to my opponent, like Maximov is the only thing on my radar right now. That's the focus. You know, I don't, I have, uh, I got a big challenge ahead of me. I don't, you know I mean? Looking forward ain't going to do me no good. It's, it's, it's one win at a time here. Well, we certainly respect that mentality. So, uh, I, I'm going to ask you to call your shot one more time. You said you're going to get the submission. Do, do you got an idea of when or, or how it's going to go down, or are you just confident it's going to happen? Yeah, I think, look, within the first two rounds, it's only a matter of time before I catch him. He's going to make a mistake, and I'm going to capitalize. 
All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Andre Petrovsky, who fights Nick Maximoff at UFC Vegas 54. That fight on May 14th. Andre, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We cannot do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas. And as a quick reminder, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm David Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we'll catch you then.